0: grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Barcelona Podcast. For this one, I just have the audio from the YouTube match review that I did because I'm buzzing after this 3 2 loss. I know. Can you be buzzing after an El Clasico loss? Well, I think the answer is actually yes. I think that Barcelona has showed so many reasons for optimism that I'm going to talk about in this match review. But also, tomorrow we're going to have a full, full breakdown. Of course, I hope to have a special guest, one of those professional sports journalist types. So, a big name in the Barcelona community that I'm going to have on the podcast hopefully tomorrow, and that will be in your ears in 24 hours or so. But I did want to give you something consider this a quick take match review something to that effect it was about 15 20 minutes so it was long enough to put on the podcast feed but if you're interested in just hearing the full breakdown tomorrow and not have to hear me repeat certain things well check back in tomorrow again about 24 hours from now and you can listen to that but in the interim for those who want all the Barcelona podcast content that they could possibly handle enjoy this one it was a match that mattered it was a match that didn't matter because as they say things can be two things what did matter is that Barcelona were playing against their eternal rivals, and that's what we're going to remember from this one. I do want to remind you, with this loss, 3-2 in extra time, what doesn't matter is that this Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia does in no way affect Barcelona in their bid for top four in the Liga, it doesn't affect them in the Europa League, and it doesn't affect them in the Copa del Rey. All three competitions which do matter more than the Spanish Super Cup. But to immediately contradict myself, if any match is going to matter outside of those three competitions, it's going to be one in El Clasico against Real Madrid, where you can take some momentum and carry that through for the rest of the season. And that possibly is what Barcelona can do. So the stage may not matter, but I think Kool-Aids are pretty unified, for once, I think Kool-Aids are unified on what this match is going to mean in the long run. It is a clear sign of progress under Xavi. This is the healthiest, the deepest, and most intense that we've seen this team in a while and the best played classical by Barca in the last five attempts. A loss to Madrid stinks, but optimism is in the air. So I could have had 30 headlines here, and it was a difficult task to narrow it down to five. So you can check out the podcast tomorrow for a lot more chatter, but for now, let's try five headlines for Barcelona's 3-2 loss to Madrid in the Spanish Super Cup. One, Barca Open Madrid Counter. The Madrid formula... For Vinny Jr., down the left side was certainly in the game plan. We knew that Madrid were going to do it, and we knew that Barcelona didn't really have an answer to stop it. So that's why we had to watch it over and over and over again. While Madrid did start this game on the front foot, Marco Asensio almost getting the opener 1-0 in the first 20 minutes. Still, it was eventually going to be Madrid down that left side to put the ball in the back of the net. The Medridistas were untroubled breaking Barca's press, it was Casemiro to Modric to the left every single time. And as I saw Danny Alves, 38 Danny Alves get attacked over and over again, it's a reminder that he is the better option to Sergino Dest. But again, I do puzzle and I say this as an American, that Dest being sold up in the stands is a bit confusing to me. I still, I think this is me holding out hope, I'm one of the few who may be doing this, but I still hope that he's not fully fit And that eventually, Xavi will give him the time to come back and the time to learn that positional play. Which, if reports in Catalonia are to be believed, he is slow to understanding where he needs to be. But with some mentorship from Alves and some time under Xavi, I'm hoping the desk can get caught up and the club doesn't give up on the 21-year-old Serginho desk. Because Dani Alves, unfortunately, he may be the present. He may be the better of the options. And you can throw him in in there. Roberto may be in there, too. But while Danny Alves is the best option available right now, I hope the desk is still the option for the future. And this is certainly a telling match. Maybe it's mizraoui as a free agent to come over the summer. If Barca already has that lined up, I guess I get it. But he's also a free agent, so he can go anywhere. I wanna remind people of that too. It might seem a bit off topic, but for as hot and cold as Jordi Alba was and everybody saying that Barca need a left back, I mean, it did feel like against Vini Jr. that Barca need a right back too. And if you're gonna spend all your money on a number nine, there's not going to be much cash left over the summer to deal with both fullback spots plus your center striker. Then it was unfortunate as the formation change for Xavi did work to get Barca back in the match but then in extra time that final goal it was a four on two. How did that happen? Well I think it happened because Ez Abde was just a bit too raw, a bit too green, the 20-year-old was, for this match. Wasn't ready, I think, in his development yet for this. And Jordi Alba, as I said, there were hits, like the cross-in for Ansu Fati's header. And then there were misses in this match, too, by Alba. His positioning at times, his crossing, his decision-making, his chemistry with teammates. So, yeah, I mean, Alba was a concern as much as he was a positive sometimes, too. And on the break, coming down the other side... All it was for Madrid was, no matter whether it was the right or the center, it was figure out how to get that ball over to the left, create a numerical advantage with Queen Benzema and Vinny Jr., and then figure things out the rest of the way. And Valverde eventually, four on two, Madrid is not going to be stopped, and that's how it ends. It's unfortunate, so that is getting most of the negativity out of the way first with headline number one. Unfortunately, headline number two is also not much more positive. Because headline two is that Queen Benzema is too, too good. Now, I want to be clear. If you're watching this there's a good chance you're a barcelona fan maybe you're a madridista in the comments to troll me a little bit sure congratulations on your victory but Kareem benzema is a player that actually is a person after the french football scandal from quite a few years ago never really liked him that was before he put on and after he put on the los blancos jersey so obviously not my favorite player at all but Barca don't have a player that both has his form And is in his prime like Benzema is. They either have players like Fati who are on the up or they have a player like Luke de Young, who in theory I guess you could say he is in form but Benzema is just banging in goals again like it's his job and he's one of the hottest strikers in football right now as a whole and Barcelona's defense just wasn't ready to deal with a player who was just hitting on all cylinders like it's the same thing I said against Bayern Munich and Robert Lewandowski. Eric Garcia got turned inside out in that game in the same way that I think Pique and Araujo certainly had some trouble today against Benzema. But these are informed strikers, and you almost say it's a mulligan, but can our offense, can our attack do enough to win this game 3-2 for us instead of, the other way or 3-2 the other way for Real Madrid so Benzema I mean hitting in great form right now scoring 23 goals in 26 games for Real Madrid across all competitions this season and I don't think it helped that for me this was actually Busquets his worst game at least definitely his worst first half I can't say much about second half and extra time for Busquets I think it was much more as a team improved he improved but for that first 45 minutes I mean that was a yikes for Busquets under Xavi. Because we kind of started to expect much better from him with the new manager. And that giveaway by Busquets for the first goal was completely inexcusable. And it should be noted that Pedri's return helped out Busquets aplenty. Further confirmation that Frankie de Jong, which we'll get to in a second, wasn't fully fit. And Barca came out of the locker room after halftime in a blaze. And Pedri's movement was central to that. So the way that Pedri and Gabi, especially, to start that second half were supporting Busquets, It is the positive, it's the optimistic take after a first half that things needed to change and they did and a big part of that was again Frankie de not being fit, not ready to go in this match. I think he just rushed into it but also you couldn't start Pedri because the idea was going to be Pedri had to play potentially in the second half and maybe extra time. So Xavi certainly had a fitness issue on his hands that he was working with on the fly but he did have a number of talented players to put in those spots. It's just a matter of when he moved around those puzzle pieces and I think he got that right to start with a player like Frankie Young, who definitely was, I mean, likely, maybe even it was guaranteed he was going to come out at halftime. Could you survive a first half with Frankie Young at his fitness level? And for those who want to ask about his broader future, that being Young's after this match, uh, it's none of that. I'm going to wait for him to be fit. And as I've said many, many times, I'm going to give him time under Xavi. For all the other midfielders around him, it's going to take, I think, him the longest to acclimate to Xavi's system. And if he can figure it out in six months to a year, then Xavi's going to have a 25 to 26 year old in his prime, Frankie de Jong, doing all the things that Xavi needs him to do in this Barcelona team alongside all those other Nico and Pedri and Gabi. But we'll see what Brusquets has left in the tank at that point. But that is a future Xavi, a future Laporta, and a future Dan problem to talk about and deal with when that time comes. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod.
1: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Three is that Luke de Jong was both in and out of his depth. Just like the last few matches, Barcelona wouldn't have gotten or potentially been close to result if not for Luke de Jong and Luke de Jong scoring some kind of goal. This one was a rebound. He had the two header attempts as well. And there's two early chances showing you where he can have an impact. But truthfully, it's the only place that Luke de Jong can have an impact. He doesn't help with buildup. He doesn't really help on the press and Real Madrid were having too much space. Casemiro was under almost no pressure for so much of that first half. And that can't happen in the middle. Gabi had to push forward a bit more to help Luke De Jong on the press. And that meant there was more space, additional space, in behind on the right side or Gabi's right, Madrid's left. And that, again, is because Luke De Jong just needs that extra help up top on the press. He just isn't mobile enough. So you do have a solution and that Luke De Jong is a poacher. He's a guy who's going to create chances with his head in the box. But the problem is that in build-up, in all of that open play activity, Luke De Jong just isn't a net positive for you. He was standing still the one time Ferrantour got to the goal line and crossed it back in, kind of ball-watching, as if he needed some kind of long set-piece or the ball has to be in the air for a long amount of time for him to make his move on it, which he does, which he does really well. He's taller, and he knows how to get a header on the ball better (laughs) better than Neymar. I mean, you know the joke. And he does continue his good form, so as much as I can be critical of what he didn't add, what he did add was a goal. And that's all that Barcelona really is asking of him. And for as much as Frankie de Jong wasn't fit, and I just got over saying that, he was the one that made that forward run to head it down. That eventually ended in Luke de Jong scoring that rebound goal that Militao probably should have dealt with, but that Dembélé was able to cross in for Luke de Jong. So again, as critical as I could be of Frankie de Jong and Luke de Jong in that first half, they're the reason that Barcelona were going into halftime tied 1-1 in a game that Real Madrid had largely controlled. Four is a Ferran debut. Shouldn't have played in this match. Clearly he was not fit. He might still be dealing with COVID a bit. He might still be dealing with that foot injury. It felt a bit rushed. It felt a bit ceremonious. For Ferran Torres to be in this game like it was that the player needed that jolt the team needed that jolt to hey this is our new signing he's in this game he's featuring in this game but Ferran Torres clearly wanted to play and Xavi gave him the start in this one again knowing that he would have to be replaced that he have Ansu Fati on the bench he had Memphis on the bench he had Nico on the bench so there were options to come in and Pedri as well for Frankie de Young so there were options to come in off the bench knowing that Ferran Torres was only going to play 45 minutes but even those 45 minutes seemed like a stretch for him he had one key pass He did have the one cross that Lu Young couldn't get to. But the yellow card, the foul getting dribbled past, showed you that he wasn't really ready for this one, and even physically. Just like Frankie, a lot of standing around in those interim times where it felt like the ball was on the opposite side of the field. So instead of constantly making those runs in behind, like we actually do expect, as I said, what makes me most excited about Farron Torres is all of his movement off the ball. All of those runs in between and those half spaces in between the center backs, in between the right back and the center back or the left back and the center back. But Farron Torres was clearly less mobile than he's going to be at full health today. So I actually learned almost nothing from this match. Again, 17 times. He touched the ball so very little to say about Ferran Torres on the other side for Dembele I know there's a lot of Dembele shade going on there are games like the one against Granada when I told you he had the switch flipped off where he deserves a lot of the criticism that he does receive today I think unless you're criticized in the first 30 minutes you can absolutely miss me with all that Dembele criticism he was excellent in the 90 minutes after the 30th minute in this game. Five key passes, seven of seven on his dribbles, winning 16 of his 17 duels on the ground and touching the ball 104 times. He lost the ball 25 times and people will point to those losses as the difference, but Dembele was a reason the parcel so were in this match, not the other way around, so don't get that twisted today. Good on you, Dembele. And number five and the most optimistic, I mean, maybe I actually want to slip in here. This is a bonus one that Pedri returned and Pedri, as I kind of already said, came on the second half with a blaze, looked great, making those runs forward, just the control he provides, and also basically playing as this deep-lying pivot late in the game and extra time, and Barca were going for it. So versatile, but so skilled and so important to what Barca can be, and continuing to improve and just being his first 45 minutes back from basically being gone all season long. So Pedri, that's super exciting. Ansu also returned in this game, and so that's why headline number five is that Ansu has that thing. He has that thing where you go, yeah, the team needs a goal, he'll be the guy. Ansu is one of the youngest we've ever seen to already have that thing. And you can put down in the comments below what you think I mean by this, but it's that feeling I have when I'm watching a match. And it's the one that we had from Messi. You always had the feeling that, oh, Messi is going to pop up and this game is going to change. And Ansu Fati is the next guy that you feel like has that thing. And I really was thinking about who's a young player or a player this young, who kind of had that intangible, that thing where you could watch him make his run into the box and you can say his timing is gonna be perfect. His finish might be perfect and Barca are gonna have a chance to come back in this game because of this guy. And I thought of a teenage Michael Owen back at Liverpool early in his career, before all the injuries, before all that. That was the other player where he would just pop up and something would happen. And for Ansu Fati, it's very much the same thing. The header goal, not to say that he feels like, I always use the word inevitable, but it's not that Ansu Fati's is always going to bail Barca out. But in this kind of case, El Classico, that's why he's running the number 10 because Ez Abde and even Dembele at times can look overwhelmed by these moments, but Ansu Fati, there is no stage too grand for Ansu Fati. He's unafraid completely of the moment. He is almost the perfect mentality just to be a winner, to get the winner, to get Barcelona back in the game. And I'm just so excited to see him back. That's basically what I'm saying here. And that bicycle kick almost at the end of extra time, I thought it was going in, he thought it was going in. And that's what I mean. That when somebody else lines up a bicycle kick, Eh, 50-50, I'm not sure. But when I saw him put his back to goal, I I thought it was going in. Unfortunately, it didn't, but I'm also going to blame it on the fact that he's been out for a little bit of time and he's going to have to get his fitness back. So maybe we'll have to see that bicycle kick next Wednesday when Barca are back in action. Final note on the Ansu Fati stuff. Interesting to see that when Xavi did pivot to that 3-3-1-3 to help Barca back into the game after Madrid has scored the 2-1, it was interesting to see Memphis come on and play as a 10 underneath Ansu Fati. I think that's going to be something that Xavi's going to do moving forward. Ansu's going to be the number nine, and Memphis is underneath him. If Barca are really going after Erland Holland, well, we'll see what happens there. We also have to worry about Dembélé's future. But those are big, big questions that I don't have to answer today. Today's just a match review. So I will leave you with a quote from PK after the match here. Losing against Real Madrid hurts, but we are closer to winning. Playing like this, we are going to start winning and competing for titles. I am very proud of the team. Barca has a week off now to continue getting healthy and I have to be truly honest with you and say as I said the big context of this match is that a week for Barca to get healthy to make a run into the top four the Copa del Rey Europa League and all the trophies that are still on the table for them this season I'm fine with having a week off and not having to play an extra game in Saudi Arabia on Sunday so everybody get healthy enjoy your week but don't go too far because we're gonna have plenty of content here you know that starting with the podcast tomorrow so until then as always force of our side.